Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. Whether you're live streaming or whether you're live, I'm Talbot Davis, pastor here. Always glad to be able to welcome you and connect back with you. And this is week two of a three-week series called Unique, a series where we're using all kinds of tools and resources to help people of this church grow into what we call a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And today's the, the second message in the series is called Work It, You're Worth It, Work It, you're worth it. And uh, it draws its inspiration from the New Testament, uh, the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to locate Philippians chapter 2 and verses 12 and 13. And maybe your Bible looks like mine, or maybe your Bible's loaded on your phone. And however you have it, if, if you have it with you, locate Philippians 2. And if, and if you're like, oh goodness, it, I don't have one that looks like a book, and it's not on my phone, or if it is on my phone, I can't find that app right now. It's okay. The, the words are going to be up on the screen uh, because we think it's really vital that you're able to see the words from Scripture for yourself. And it's because we believe a couple of things about the Bible, that, that if you're new, you, you, you haven't heard this yet, and, and if you, you've been here a while, you have heard it. But one of the things that we believe about the Bible is that although this thing I'm holding looks like a book, it's not a book. It's a library. And that's what the Bible is, about, uh, written by a lot of authors over a long span of time, actually over a thousand years and in multiple writing styles. And when we're in the book of Philippians, we're actually in the section of the library devoted to correspondence. Bunch of letters in the New Testament. Not a single one of them was written to you. They were all preserved for you. And so that's just a fact that, that a lot of people don't really know or remember, but not book is library, and whenever my time comes and I have a marker, it's probably going to be on my marker. He said, not book, his library. And, and, uh, but then the other thing that we believe moves into that realm of deeply held conviction. And you may not agree with what I'm getting ready to say, or you may love what it is that I say, but we, we think clarity is kindness, so we want you to know where we stand in this church. We believe that the Bible is inspired and eternal and true. There's no other library like it. God put his truth in its words, his love onto its pages. It is his word. And out of that conviction, we have a custom. When we talk about the Bible here, we lift it up. And, and if you, again, if you're new here, you're looking around and there's phones in the air and Bibles in the air and, and you're like, this is unusual. You know what we say? We admit it. It is unusual. But we've discovered this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community, that we are a collection of people who do not have life figured out. And if you're like, yeah, I got it figured out. No, you don't. We don't have life figured out, but we know who does. And we're glad to surrender to his authority. Amen. And so before I say anything else, let's pray. So God, thank you for just how good you are and how much love you have. And Thank you for inspiring the, the letter to the Philippian church. And so I, I pray, God, that the same Holy Spirit who did all of that would do something new and vital and fresh even through me and in the lives of everyone within the sound of my voice. Lord, I am powerless without you. But because of you, I'm never helpless. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if, uh, if I get a, 
just a little bit too excited today? Maybe, maybe a tad keyed up today. And some of you are like, you do that every time you're with us. If, if, if I get a little bit keyed up today, it's because we get to look at a verse in the Bible that appears to be unbiblical. Isn't that great? That you look at a snippet of scripture and when you look at the snippet of scripture, it seems to run counter to a whole lot of other things some of you may know about scripture and you like you look at the section of scripture and you're like, that is unbiblical. And the reason I might get a little bit excited about that is because I just think it's a cool dilemma, but I'm also convinced that when we deal with this not biblical thing in the Bible dilemma by the end of our journey together, you will know almost everything there is to know about unique and you will see why we believe that unique is really all about weenique. So without further ado, y'all like my French today? Without further ado, here is that unbiblical place that's in the Bible. It's Philippians chapter 2. And verse 12, and again, you may know this, you may not not know this, but this is a letter written in the first century, 50, 60 AD from Paul, pastor, missionary, author. And he writes a letter to the church in the ancient Greek city of Philippi and the people who live there are Philippians. That's why it's called Philippians. Just like those of you who live in Charlotte, you are Charlotteans. It's the same concept. And so look at what Paul says to the Philippian Christians, chapter two and verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, meaning he was with them, but now much more in my absence, continue. And here's where it gets dicey. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue, Philippians, to work out your salvation. Now, for some of you, and this is okay, some of you are like, well, what's the matter with that? Why is that unbiblical? Because you, you sort of figure that when, when he talks about he- salvation, he is referring to heaven, at least part, part way, heaven after you die. And, and you've been conditioned to think, well, heaven is for good people and hell is for bad people. And if, if heaven is something you earn, you might as well get to work earning it, work it, you're worth it after all. And, and, and so at some level, yeah, Paul says, work out your salvation. And you're like, well, what's the big deal, Talbot? But then others of you, and maybe you've been in church a little bit more, you've read a little bit more of the New Testament, or you've just been paying a little bit closer attention. You hear Paul use these words about work out your salvation, and something just sounds not quite right there. Something according to sections of scripture, not not only the Bible in general, but the New Testament in, in particular, and not just the New Testament in particular, but this same guy, Paul. And you've heard or you read or you've been taught about things that he has said that make these words in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, just sound off key. Like, like, let me show you what I'm talking about here. Here's this same guy, Paul, same author, Paul in Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine, another letter. And he's writing this letter to the church in the ancient Turkish city of Ephesus. The people who live there are Ephesians. You're getting it. You're getting it. Look what he says to them. 
For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by what? Works. So that no one can buy. Whoa, 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 Paul. You're saying work out your salvation. And then to the people in Ephesus, you're saying it's not by works. The very thing I just told the Philippians to do, you guys in Ephesus, you can't do it. And then Romans chapter three and verse 28, same author writing the letter to the Romans to the church in the ancient Italian city of, that was pitiful. That would, this is not a hard question. Writing the church to the ancient Italian city of, Yes, and look what he says to them. Rome, Romans, I almost said Rome. Romans 3:28, for we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. And again, th- these these are just two out of about 8 or 10 at least Verses that I could have shown you coming from the same author from Paul, where he, kind of his, his clarion call of teaching in the whole New Testament is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And, and, and we love it. I mean, it's like over and over. God says yes to you before you could ever say yes to him. God does for you what you could never do for yourself. Your salvation is always about Jesus and it's never about you. And it, 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 in fact, it's, it's what separates Christianity from every faith and every philosophy on planet earth. Like every other religion and every other philosophy is about do this and do that and do more and you might be good enough. And Christianity comes along and says, done. Jesus on the cross, Jesus through the resurrection, done for you what you could never do for yourselves. In fact, one of the, the, the messages that, that I gave a couple years ago had a bottom line, you know, one thing that I try to teach y'all on Sunday, and it's one that you've repeated back to me more than most. And, and, and it said, heaven is never a reward for your goodness. It's always the result of his greatness. Yeah, I just quoted myself on a Sunday morning and there's nothing you can, nothing you can do about it. And, and, and y'all, y'all repeat, repeat that one back to me. And so what in the world is going on with Paul who says, work out your salvation. And then all these, I told you it's an unbiblical place right here in the Bible. All these other places that you can't work it, you can't work for it. It's not by works. It's only by grace. And And I just, I want you all to know, this is not, it's not just a dilemma on the pages of scripture. It's a dilemma in your life. Because I would hate for you to adopt Philippians chapter two and verse 12 as a life verse to make a t-shirt of it, make it a bumper sticker for your car, get it as a tattoo and not Know what it means in drum roll, please. Thank you. In context. Because Philippians chapter two is verse 12 is not some isolated pearl that we examine separated from all the pearls that are around it, but it is instead part of an intricate and elaborate string of pearls And verse 12 only makes sense when you understand what comes before it and what comes after it. 
And in the case of Philippians chapter two, in the way that the logic and in the way that the language works, verse 13, and if you believe verse 13 comes after verse 12, would you say amen? Amen. You passed your math test for today, yes. So the way that verse 13 reads, it it reads, it sheds light on all of it. Look at what Philippians chapter two, the very next sentence says, says this, for, and that one word, That lets you know that logically, at least, everything I'm getting ready to say proves what I just said is actually the foundation of what I just said logically comes before what I just said. Then he says this, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Oh, You work out salvation only because God was already working on you. God, good shepherd, God was working on you before you were ever looking for him. Like there was that time that you drank away the rent money. God was working on you. There's a time the mortgage payment went to those painkiller pills. God was working on you. There's that time you wasted not just a day and not just a night, you wasted an entire weekend on the internet and you have so much shame about it and God was working on you. God was working on you before you were ever looking for him. And the only reason, the only reason that we could ever say yes to Jesus, some of you may not have said yes to Jesus yet. And that's okay. I'm so glad you're here. That means God's working on you right now. You might be the one I just talked about who drank away the rent money. God brought you here to work on you, right? You are looking for him. You're resistant to him. But God is working on you. God is working on us way before we are ever looking for him. And the only reason that we can ever say yes to Jesus is because a long time ago, he said yes to all of us. Salvation is always of Jesus. Our place in heaven fundamentally is not something that we earn. We don't work for our salvation. Hallelujah. We work from it. And here's the good news for today. Here's how unique becomes weenique. It's this, God started working on you so he could finish working with you. God, God was working on you, drawing you to himself. You were drinking the rent money. You were pill popping the mortgage money. You were waiting. Your life was going great. And you thought it was all because of you. Wherever you were, God God was working on you, wooing you. And when you said yes to him, that wasn't the end of the story. That was just the beginning. So think about it this way. If, If the whole purpose of the Christian life is to get you saved so that you could die and go to heaven. If that's all being a Christian was about. You get say yes to Jesus, get saved, go to heaven. Well, then obviously... As soon as you would say yes to Jesus, you would die because that mission accomplished. Like me at 17, not raised in faith, not raised in church, had this dramatic encounter with Jesus, say yes to Jesus. Well, then I would have died because mission accomplished. And y'all would have never met me. (laughs) 
our 200 teenagers on retreat this week, you know a bunch of them are going to be saying yes to Jesus this weekend. Parents and grandparents, they are all coming home, I promise you. Because the, the, the purpose is not just to say yes to Jesus so that you can then die. Or you, when you were at this altar, when you were in the counselor's office, when you were at that campground, when you were nine years old and your mother leaned over you when she was tucking you into bed and she asked you if you wanted to say yes to Jesus and you did. And at each and every occasion, when you said yes, when you got saved, when you became a Christian, you did not die because the purpose of the Christian life is not simply so that we can die and go to heaven. It's so that we can live and bring some of heaven here. God started working on you so that he could finish working with you. See, we all know churches maybe mile wide, inch deep, full of sizzle, lacking substance. And, and honestly, in some of my leadership insecurities, which are legion, I may have been leading Good Shepherd in exactly those kind of directions, but thank God for God. And we're not satisfied with that stuff anymore. We, we count it, we, we count it as our great privilege, those of us in leadership here, our great privilege. It's not a duty, it's a delight, it's not a punishment, it's a privilege, but to give you resources, to give you inspiration, to give you motivation, so that you'll not just be strong in your faith, so that you'll not just be calm about your faith, so that you'll not just be more knowledgeable regarding faith, but so that you will go deep, deep, in faith, we want people of depth here. We don't want people who are all about sizzle. We want people of substance. And we, want, we don't want people who are a mile wide and an inch deep. We want people going deep in loving the gospel and bold in sharing the gospel because we know that in that kind of depth, that's really what a living relationship with Jesus Christ is all about. That God started working on you so that he could finish working with you. You don't work for your salvation. Hey, the great news, you work from it. Because here's something else we know. You don't have money problems. Like, yeah, I do. No, you don't have money problems. You have a lack of Jesus problem. You don't have a temper problem. And some of you are like, well, you don't know my spouse. No, you have a lack of Jesus problem. You don't have a pornography problem. You have a lack of Jesus problem. You don't have a despair problem. You have a lack of Jesus problem. Our great privilege, everything that we do as a community, whether it's through our life groups or our worship gatherings or our serve teams, is to pour more and more Jesus onto every area of your life because he alone is the resurrected king who is resurrecting me. 
And he's not a good man. He's not one of many. He is the great God. He is the one and only. And we can't talk about him enough. We can't lift him up high enough. We can't revere him deeply enough. And we just want you pouring more and more Jesus over every area of your life so that you prevent a lot of problems before they ever happen. And the ones that do pop up, you're much better able to deal with them. This is what we know about you, what we long to have happen in your life. God started working on you so that he continue, finish working with you by pouring more Jesus, more resurrected King into every nook and every cranny of your life. And know this, it doesn't happen accidentally. Well, I just hope I'm going to get more Jesus in my life. No. Listen to this by Pastor D.A. Carson, which I just think is marvelous. Listen to what he's, so I quoted me. Now let me quote a real expert. People do not drift toward holiness apart from grace-driven effort. People do not gravitate toward godliness, prayer, obedience to scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift towards compromise and call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience and call it freedom. <laughs> we drift toward superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of the loss of self-control and call it relaxation. We slide towards godlessness and convince ourselves we have been liberated. And that liberation we thought we won is the very thing that is trapping so many of you now. It does not happen accidentally. It doesn't happen instantly either. I mean, think about it. Think of, think of all the things that, that happen instantly. Like a, like a mushroom grows up overnight, doesn't it? Well, how many have ever, ooh, it's hot outside. I'm going to go find myself a good mushroom and get some shade under that mushroom. No. They don't grow big enough for shade. They don't have any roots and they might be poisonous. Other than that, they're great, I guess. An oak tree takes decades. And yet at the end of those decades, it has the strength and it has the stability and it offers a whole lot of shade. That's what it's like. So many people want to be microwaved into maturity in Jesus. Can I just be strong in Jesus now? And God instead places us in a, in a crock pot and has a simmer for years and years and years. And at the end, then we are fully mature because God has been doing his good work in us. That's what it's like. God starts working on you so he can finish working with you. And all this is why, good shepherd, that tool that we talked about last week, what we call the discipleship assessment that so many of you took, and when you took that discipleship assessment, you, you, you got a report back immediately, miraculously, that was customized and personalized, and it was all of a sudden yours. Listen, how, how do I say this delicately? Don't waste it. Don't take it for granted. That there are churches 20 times our size who are longing for the intellectual horsepower that put that assessment together. There's, they're like, how'd you do this? How, how are you able to design something like that that really tells people where they are so they can know where to go? We, don't know, we, we just got somebody we hired and he's here and he's really smart. He did it for us. 
And, and if you weren't here last week, or you were here and you were super stubborn, you're like, I'm not taking that thing. We're, here, here's, the link is still live. It's up on the screen. It's gscharlotte.org slash assessment. And don't take the assessment now because it'll take like 10 minutes. We want you to bookmark it or jot it down. And when you bookmark it or jot it down, know this assessment has four S's. Two at the beginning, two in the middle. When you just use three S's on assessment, that link does not work. And I hear an amen. And link to, so four S's, you jot that down. You spent, there will be eight, 10 minutes. You, you jot that down and, and you take that assessment and you will be amazed that when you hit submit immediately, there is a customized report just for you. Here's where you are. Here's where you're really strong. And here's where you can get stronger because guess what? God is not finished working with you. God wants to complete this good work that he already started. And he wants you as his partner in that. It's an amazing, remarkable tool. And I don't know, some of, some of you may, may, may learn in, in all of that, that what, what you really need to go strong in Jesus, because that's what we talk about, spiritual maturities. You go strong in Jesus is, is that you, you need to be in a life group, community. You, you realize you, you do have to follow Jesus for yourself, but you can't follow him by yourself. And that's why after, after I finish and after we sing, sing there's going to be people out in the lobby our life groups department, and they're going to help you get connected in a life group. So if you're, if you're realizing, learning from firsthand experience that, that trying to walk with Jesus by yourself just doesn't cut it, we're, we're here to help make that happen. Because really, when I talk about the Lord working with you, finishing you, com completing you, Really what, what I mean is kind of my, my dream for everybody within the sound of my voice, including the 200 people at the winter retreat, is that you'd wake up in the morning and you would start the day in the word and not in the world. And because you started the day in the word, reading your scripture, rather than on your device, scrolling your news feed, all of a sudden you had a peace and you had a perspective and you had a serenity that let you get through that day in such a better state of mind. And because of that, you got through the day and you didn't yell at your kids and you didn't fight with your mate and you didn't kick the dog and you didn't cause any drama at work. And so when you got home at night and you look back over your day and you did a searching and a fearless moral inventory about your day, you had no shame and you had no regret. And all you wanted to do is go to bed so that you could get up the next morning and do it all over again. That's a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what I want for all of you here because it turns out that not only is Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 in the Bible, it's biblical as well. Let's pray. So Lord, thank you. Your word is inspired and eternal and true. And thank you that you want to work all on all of us to take us into those joys and those delights 
of having you as the most important relationship in our lives. So do that for everyone within the sound of my voice. In the strong and the saving name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said,